Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is a milestone, episode 50, uh, recorded here on February 5th, 2023. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. All right, well, we'll start out with the market update uh, and outlook and then get into the uh, Bitcoin news. Got several articles this week I want to go over. And then we'll finish up talking about my recent blog post uh, entitled Ayn Rand, Freedom and Liberty and Bitcoin. I won't go into it in a lot of detail, but I will include links to that as well as all the articles I review in the show notes. And so without further ado, we'll get started here with the market. Stocks fell Friday as a much stronger than expected jobs report worried some investors that the Federal Reserve would keep hiking interest rates. Data from the Labor Department showed the U.S. economy adding 517,000 in January, crushing consensus estimates with the unemployment rate dropping to a 54-year low of 3.4%. U.S. Treasury sold off on the blowout report with the two-year yield soaring 21 basis points to 4.29% and the benchmark 10-year note rising 14 basis points to 3.53%. Still, the S&P 500 booked its fourth weekly gain in five weeks, up 1.6%, as investors bet inflation is headed lower. Meanwhile, the Nasdaq surged 3.3% for a fifth straight weekly advance thanks to strong earnings from some major tech companies. The Dow Jones average was the week's outlier falling 0.3%. Looking ahead, investors will return next week with a new wild card in the mix after the January jobs report smashed expectations to reinforce the view that the Federal Reserve will move forward with planned rate hikes. The labor market read is likely to keep Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell on script when he speaks at the Economic Club of Washington, D.C. on February 7th. Earnings reports slow down in the week ahead, although there are some key releases to watch. Uh, Disney, I think, uh, is coming up, expected to deliver uh, even when encountering declining consumer confidence. Value Pendulum sees a good chance for an earnings beat from Take-Two Interactive with its mobile business expected to perform above expectations. Meanwhile, Accutel called out Royal Caribbean ahead of its earnings report with the cruise line operators said to be on the path to profitability. Within the energy sector, contributor Bram de Haas pointed out that potential share buybacks by BP were brought up by analysts as On the last earnings call, and the author thinks the oil giant could deliver a welcome surprise to investors again. PepsiCo and Chipotle are the heavyweight from the consumer sector scheduled to spill earnings. On the event calendar, Canada Goose has an investor day event scheduled, and Google is holding a search and AI event that could include some surprises. Moving into Bitcoin news, uh, first article here is from Bitcoin Magazine. This was published on February 3rd. Bitcoin miner Marathon Digital sells Bitcoin for the first time in two years. 
Marathon Digital, a publicly traded Bitcoin mining company, has announced the sale of Bitcoin for the first time in two years. We intend to continue to sell a portion of our Bitcoin holdings in 2023 to fund monthly operating costs. Marathon's monthly mining update reads, even with these sales, our unrestricted Bitcoin holdings increased from 7,815 Bitcoin as of December 31st, 2022 to 8,090 Bitcoin as of January 31st, 2023. As our production improved and the appreciation of Bitcoin's price in January, reduce the amount of Bitcoin we had posted as collateral. Additionally, we ended the month with 133.8 million in unrestricted cash on hand. Marathon Digital has accrued one of the largest public Bitcoin holdings in the industry, second only to Michael Saylor's MicroStrategy. According to the firm's update, the sale was not made out of any form of distress, but was a strategic financial move. In prior press releases and earnings calls, Marathon has indicated that the company intends to sell a portion of its Bitcoin holdings to cover operational expenses as production begins to ramp. The update states, with production improving, Marathon opted to sell 1,500 Bitcoin during January 2023. Marathon, like other Bitcoin miners, had to weather a 2022 that saw various industry challenges from increasing electricity prices to widespread contagion that decimated the price of Bitcoin. Despite these challenges, the update explained the optimistic position of the company, saying, as we look ahead, our focus for the year is to energize more miners and to optimize their performance. We remain confident in our ability to scale Marathon into one of the largest and most energy efficient Bitcoin mining operation globally by installing approximately 23 exahashes of computing power near the middle of 2023. Moving on to the next article here, uh, this one uh, is from Coindesk and uh, stated February 3rd, and um, this is a reaction piece to, I think, uh, Charlie Munger from Berkshire Hathaway published a, an open letter in the Wall Street Journal asking for the government to ban cryptocurrency. So I think this is uh, Michael Saylor had a response to that, and this is the... Uh, the response or this article is about that response and the article is entitled charlie munger hasn't taken the time to study bitcoin microstrategies michael saylor uh, charlie munger and other elite western business leaders are continually prodded for their opinion on bitcoin but they haven't had the time to study it said microstrategy executive chairman michael saylor appearing on cnbc one day after his company's fourth quarter earnings results Saylor said he is sympathetic to Munger's broad crypto criticisms, and he called out the thousands of non-Bitcoin tokens as little more than avenues for gambling. However, said Saylor, if Munger were a business leader in South America or Africa or Asia, and he spent 100 hours studying the problem, he would be more bullish on Bitcoin than I am. The plight of the common man, said Saylor, is better illustrated by recent events in Lebanon, Argentina, Sri Lanka, Nigeria, and Venezuela where local currencies have plunged in value. Saylor's appearance Friday morning came one day after his company booked a Q4 impairment charge of $197.6 million on its Bitcoin holdings, which now total 132,500 coins. Already a bull on MicroStrategy, Ken Accord Genuity upped its price target on the stock to $400 from $372 
following the earnings news. We believe the company's relatively conservative strategy of keeping most of its holdings unencumbered has been prudent, wrote analysts Joseph Vafi and team. Institutional investors are continuing to work on their Bitcoin and overall digital asset strategies, in our view. As such, we expect to see continued mainstream adoption, which we believe bodes well for the medium term and supports our view that Bitcoin is biased higher over time. And I would have to agree with Michael Saylor that, uh, you know, if you do the study and if you certainly if you look at uh, the use cases in a lot of these countries that are facing collapsing currencies, um, uh, it, it's definitely a very strong use case for Bitcoin. Uh, next article is uh, Bitcoin.com. This is uh, posted uh, looks like a day ago. And this is an issue that's been all over Bitcoin Twitter this past week. It's called ordinals, which are basically JPEG pictures that are being um, written to the Bitcoin blockchain. And, um, uh, you know, there's just been a lot of debate over it. So uh, this article uh, should dive into some of that, which uh, is useful to understand. So the article is entitled Debate Intensifies Over Significance and Implications of Ordinal Inscriptions on Bitcoin Blockchain. The controversial NFT concept known as ordinals, which uses the Bitcoin blockchain to mint inscriptions, has been a highly topical subject recently. Since its introduction, there's been a marked increase in the number of inscriptions being added to the Bitcoin blockchain in a permissionless manner. This includes JPEG images, NFTs from other blockchains like Bored Apes, and even a Doom video game file. The biggest surprise was when the Luxor mining pool mined a 3.96 megabyte block that contained Ordinal Inscription 652, a JPEG image of a wizard. Since that block was mined, the number of Ordinals minted has increased further and the mint rate has grown significantly since the project's inception. According to statistics from Dune Analytics until January 20th, 2023, there were fewer than 10 ordinals minted daily. By January 22nd, the number rose to 36. On January 29th, 2023, there were over 100 mints, and the next two days saw numbers just under 75. After the Luxor block with inscription 652 was produced, the number of mints surged to 420, on February 2nd, 2023, and the next day saw 203 ordinal inscriptions. There have also been a number of large blocks, not quite reaching four megabytes, but close to the three megabyte range. For example, block heights 774.997 and 774.996 were near the three megabyte range, larger than the previous record before Luxor's block of 2.765 megabytes mined on August 11th, 2022. Despite the fact that February 4th, 2023 is not over, I guess this was at the time they were writing this article, 547 ordinal inscriptions have already been added to the Bitcoin blockchain on Saturday, making it the highest daily number of ordinal mints to date. Currently, the proportion of block space used by ordinal inscriptions is not substantial, but it is growing daily. Bitcoin maximalists and proponents of small blocks are expressing concern about the ordinal inscriptions and sharing their opinions on the matter. Bitcoin advocate Jimmy Song has claimed that Luxor Mining Pool will be punished by the market 
and suggested that smaller blocks may be necessary. Unpopular opinion, Song tweeted, if inscriptions start bloating the chain, a decreased block size must be considered. The issue has drawn criticism from Bitcoin developer Luke Dash Jr., who has frequently stated that ordinal inscriptions are similar to attacking Bitcoin. Blockstream's Adam Back has also commented on the situation, expressing his opinion. You can't stop them, of course, Back said. Bitcoin is designed to be sensor resistant. That doesn't prevent us from mildly commenting on the sheer waste and stupidity of an encoding. At least do something efficient. Otherwise, it's just another proof of consumption of block space thing. Others have referred to ordinals as a spam attack, and some have called on developers to address the issue with a soft fork. Ordinals are an attack on Bitcoin, Derek Ross treated. It is being orchestrated by known bad actors, he added. Many others disagree with calling ordinal inscriptions an attack. Crypto advocate Udi Wertheimer tweeted, Bitcoin maximalists aren't real Bitcoiners. Real Bitcoiners are a happy bunch that likes to have fun. Hal Finney, for example, would have loved the Taproot Wizards Bitcoin NFTs. Let's make Bitcoin fun again. Wertheimer shared an old Hal Finney email sent to the Cypherpunks mailing list discussing cryptographic trading cards. Digital currency supporter Eric Wall emphasized this week that no Bitcoin maximalist celebrated the increase in taproot adoption. After 14 months of sub-3% taproot adoption, we suddenly reached 99.5% taproot adoption this week and not a single Bitcoin maximalist celebrated, Wall said. I don't understand you guys. What do you want? <laughs> so uh, this is a pretty good breakdown of, of the um, ordinal thing and I don't know, I guess time will tell that one outcome could be that minor fees go up. Um, <clears throat> but theoretically, block sizes can't, can't you know, be much bigger than they've already grown to. Um, and uh, it is an open source protocol, and that's one of the downsides of it is people can kind of do what they want with the technology. Um, kind of makes you wonder if NFTs are going away too. Uh, they might not be. Okay, moving on to the next article. This is from Bitcoin.com. This was updated today entitled Billionaire Tim Brake. Tim Draper urges Sri Lanka to adopt Bitcoin. Central Bank says, we don't want to make the crisis worse. Billionaire investor and venture capitalist Tim Draper reportedly tried to convince the Sri Lankan government and Central Bank to adopt Bitcoin during his visit to the South Asian country earlier this week to shoot an episode of his Meet the Drapers TV show with local entrepreneurs. The billionaire met with Sri Lankan President Ranil Wikri Mashinge Tuesday to pitch Bitcoin adoption, Bloomberg reported, adding that he then visited the Sri Lankan Central Bank the next day with the same pitch. Wearing a Bitcoin tie, Draper was quoted as saying, I come to the Central Bank with decentralized currency. However, Sri Lankan Central Bank Governor Nandalal Wirashinge replied, we don't accept. Adoption of 100% Bitcoin won't be a Sri Lanka reality ever. Sri Lanka's fuel and food shortages led to riots last year. The president at the time fled the debt-ridden country and later resigned. Sri Lanka's key inflation rate stood at 54.2% in January, <clears throat> and last year the economy contracted by 8%, the governor detailed. Draper told the central bank chief that he is a little worried about you guys, elaborating 
Have you seen Sri Lanka in the news? It's known as, a, as the corruption capital. A country known for corruption will be able to keep perfect records with the adoption of Bitcoin. The billionaire VC continued to try to convince Weira Shinge during their 30-minute meeting. He even cited El Salvador, which became the first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender alongside the U.S. dollar in September 2021. Does the administration have the guts to do it? Draper asked the Sri Lankan central bank governor as he pushed for Bitcoin adoption. What's the advantage of having your own currency? However, Weir Sharinge replied, we don't want to make the crisis worse by introducing Bitcoin. <clears throat> Draper has pitched Bitcoin adoption to several other countries and received better responses than he did from the Sri Lankan government and central bank. The tiny island country of Palau in the Pacific, for example, made him the founding resident of its digital residency program. The billionaire has long been bullish about Bitcoin due to the cryptocurrency's trade as a hedge against inflation. In November last year, he predicted that Bitcoin should hit $250,000 by mid-2023. The Central Bank of Sri Lanka has cautioned the public several times about the risks of investing in cryptocurrencies. In July last year, the Central Bank published a notice warning that virtual currencies are considered as unregulated financial instruments and have no regulatory oversight or safeguards relating to their usage in Sri Lanka. The authority added that it has not given any license or authorization to any entity or company to operate schemes involving virtual currencies, including cryptocurrencies. So, um, interesting. I mean, you know, it doesn't seem like it could get much worse for them, but uh, we'll see. Um, we'll see what, what happens as Bitcoin adoption continues in other countries. Uh, next article is also from Bitcoin.com, updated today, and this was kind of a, an interesting uh, piece last week on uh, Ray Dalio. So it's entitled, Billionaire Ray Dalio says, Bitcoin is, isn't an effective money, store value, or medium of exchange. Uh, which a lot of the people in the Bitcoin community um, reacted to pretty, pretty aggressively. Um, since he's obviously a well, well regarded and, and, uh, you know, well followed investor. Uh, but there's a lot of, uh, there were a lot of, um, uh, I guess you would say, um, he, he was, he was saying, well, there needs to be some new digital currency, but but you know that's inflation linked um so basically he was saying there needs to be bitcoin but he was saying bitcoin can't can't do the job so it was just is very conflicting messages i think in his uh commentary uh so jumping right in it says billionaire investor and hedge fund manager ray dalio who founded the world's largest hedge fund bridgewater associates had and previously served as its co-chief investment officer has offered his view on Bitcoin in an interview with CNBC Thursday, referring to the world's largest cryptocurrency. He said, I think it's been quite amazing that for 12 years it's accomplished, but I think it has no relation to anything. It's a tiny thing that gets disproportionate attention. Noting that Bitcoin's total market value is less than a third of Microsoft's stock, whose market cap stood at 1.92 trillion on Friday, Dalio asserted biotech and many other industries are more interesting than Bitcoin. The billionaire opined, it's not going to be an effective money. It's not an effective storehold of wealth. It's not an effective medium of exchange. 
but we're in a world in which money as we know it is in jeopardy. We are printing too much and it's not just the United States, all the reserve currencies. He continued mentioning problems with the Euro and the Japanese yen in particular. And so in that world, the question is, what is money and how is that going to operate? So when you look at something like China's renminbi and then you take the digital renminbi, I think you're gonna see that become more and more of a thing, value shared. The Bridgewater Associates founder stressed, if you want a digital currency, you have to do something different from Bitcoin. However, he noted, I don't think that the stable coins are good because then you're getting fiat currency again, which I would agree with that part. He added, what would be best is an inflation-linked coin. In other words, something where basically you would say, okay, this is going to give me buying power because every individual wants. What do they want? They want to secure their buying power. The closest thing to that is inflation index bond and so on, Dalio said. But if you created a coin that says, okay, this is buying power that I know I could save in and put my money in over a period of time and then I can transact in anywhere, I think that would be a good coin, he continued. So I think you're going to see probably the development of coins that you haven't seen that probably will end up being attractive, viable coins. I don't think Bitcoin is it. Following Dalio's interview, many people took to Twitter to disagree with him. Some people noted that Dalio just described Bitcoin, while others pointed out that Bitcoin has been around for more than 14 years, not 12, like the Bridgewater founder said. An inflation-linked currency is nonsense, Bitcoin proponent Robert Breedlove commented. Lesson for Ray Dalio, money's buying power is preserved through the integrity of its supply. Bitcoin has a perfectly integral money supply of 21 million, in the long run, Bitcoin is the perfect money for preserving buying power over time. Gabor Gerbach's strategy advisor at the NEC MVIS tweeted, Ray Dalio is wrong about Bitcoin. I respect Ray's work and I like his books, but his comments on Bitcoin are under-researched and disappointing. Gerbach's added, Ray's views, particularly on Bitcoin market sizing, reach, and importance are concerning. Tens of millions of people use Bitcoin around the world, particularly in emerging markets. Bitcoin censorship resistance is game-changing. Dalio used to have a more bullish outlook on Bitcoin. In January 2021, he said, I believe Bitcoin is one hell of an invention. To have invented a new type of money via a system that is programmed into a computer and has worked for around 10 years and is rapidly gaining popularity as both a type of money and a storehold of wealth is an amazing accomplishment. In February last year, he confirmed that he has a tiny percentage of his portfolio in cryptocurrency. Nonetheless, he has repeatedly warned that governments can ban Bitcoin if the cryptocurrency becomes material, predicting that crypto will be outlawed, probably by different governments. So, again, a lot of people think he's not adequately educated, and maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But, you know, clearly, if your majority of your wealth is in traditional investments, then you kind of don't want Bitcoin to succeed because then it potentially pulls a lot of the monetary value out of stocks, out of bonds, out of real estate um, and uh, into Bitcoin. So um, moving on, uh, this next piece is an opinion piece from uh, Coindesk. By Michael J. Casey it was published on February 3rd. Fed policy win could harm Bitcoin's Wall Street narrative. 
Economic data and other indicators, including a more upbeat mood in financial markets, point to a real possibility that the U.S. Federal Reserve will defy earlier expectations and successfully engineer a soft landing in the world's biggest economy. If so, that could yet again force Bitcoin favoring investment advisors to return to the drawing board on how to frame this hard to categorize asset as something newcomers can understand and hold in their portfolios. My advice to them, don't bother. Not because I think Bitcoin is worthless, but because all efforts to explain it within the language and logical framework of traditional financial markets will continue to fail when the real explanation for its value lies elsewhere, such as the streets of Lagos. Consider the various buy Bitcoin narratives that have been hoisted upon Wall Street. There was the once common description of it as an inflation hedge. That pitch died with Bitcoin's market collapse last year, right when consumer prices were surging. The opposite of what you'd want a hedge to do. Then there was the related but more nuanced digital gold story, where Bitcoin is thought of as a scarce digital asset that provides a long-term store of value in the face of political and economic uncertainty. It also hasn't played out so well. Most of the post-2021 wave of late adopting institutional and individual newcomers have suffered wealth destruction. Finally, there's the long game idea that you should just own Bitcoin as a warrant or an option on a future collapse in the dollar-centric international monetary system, a bet that confidence in the central bank stewards of that system might eventually evaporate. This too is being challenged, at least for now, by recent economic evidence. Let's break that third narrative down. Some saw the economic situation in late winter 2022 as a perfect storm to bring an end to the age of the U.S. economic and monetary hegemony, and thus as a test of the theory of Bitcoin as an option on monetary collapse. A nuclear-armed Russia was at war with Ukraine, supply chains were choking due to COVID-19 and war disruptions, and inflation was at its highest level in 40 years. The concern was that the Fed, which had embarked on an aggressive set of rate hikes, would not only fail to break the back of entrenched inflation, but its actions would create such severe hardship that it would be forced under overwhelming political pressure to backtrack. That failure, some believed, would ultimately lead to a loss of confidence in the world's most powerful central bank, and by extension in the dollar. By contrast, Bitcoin would shine as a reliable master of an alternative immune to such human failings. Come 2023, that gloomy prediction really hasn't transpired, not in the broadest sense. Even with hundreds of thousands of layoffs in the tech and financial sectors, unemployment is stunningly low. The 3.4% rate registered Friday for January <clears throat> was the lowest in 53 years, and the latest payroll expansion of 513,000 <clears> for the same month smashed forecasts for a mere 187,000 gain. Meanwhile, Inflation, though still high, is easing. The U.S. Consumer Price Index showed an annualized advance of 6.5% in January, down from 7.1% in February. And while the Institute for Supply Management's January survey of purchasing managers <clears throat> showed a deeper contraction for the U.S. manufacturing sector than in December, suggesting a recession is in the cards, forward-looking projections are starting to look more optimistic. This week, the International Monetary Fund upped its 2023 forecast for the world economy to 2.9%, up 0.2% from its October forecast. Also, 
a rapidly rebounding stock and bond market seems increasingly convinced that a best of both world scenario is emerging with inflation cooling and the economy simply slowing to a manageable rate of growth without a harsh economic collapse. That view is strengthened by Fed Chairman Jerome Powell's relatively sanguine take on the outlook for inflation and interest rates during a Wednesday press conference following the Fed's widely expected quarter point rate increase decision. If those projections prove correct, then Powell and his fellow voters on the Federal Open Markets Committee will have earned back some of the respect they lost in 2021 when they were criticized for waiting too long to realize that rising consumer prices weren't just a transitory COVID-related problem. The Fed will still have its many critics, of course, but it would be a huge stretch to argue that there was a fundamental loss of confidence in the central bank or in the currency it manages. In other words, it seems increasingly unlikely that anyone will get to exercise their Bitcoin option on the dollar's collapse, at least this time around. And as such, that particular justification for buying doesn't appear to be standing up. What to make then of Bitcoin, which briefly topped $24,000 this week and has had its best month in a year? Well, the simple answer is that investors everywhere are recovering their risk appetites and that as financial conditions ease, money is flowing into risky assets everywhere of which Bitcoin is considered one. But that's a rather unsatisfying answer. We've just gone through an exercise showing how a variety of arguments for investing in Bitcoin have failed. Why does Bitcoin have any value at all? Just because people have money to spend shouldn't mean they'll spend it on something worthless. What then is the fundamental value proposition that continues to drive people to buy Bitcoin? I think it lies far away from Wall Street. Right now, Bitcoin is proving it has value in developing economies where financial freedom is under attack, such as Nigeria, where the government has taken draconian steps to ban cash to force adoption of its digital currency. People have reportedly flocked to Bitcoin to protect their wealth. One measure of that demand a huge premium for Bitcoin in Nigeria over the price in dollars in the U.S., almost double. Lebanon, whose banking system has all but collapsed. There, I'm told, wholesale wine prices are often quoted in Bitcoin. Also, people like the guy featured in this CNBC piece have figured out how to make living with makeshift mining farms spread around the country. Vietnam, which last year again topped Chainalysis rankings for cryptocurrency adoption. One reason for that with only slightly more than 30% of all adult Vietnamese having a bank account, the country has one of the world's lowest rates of financial inclusion. All of the other countries on Chain Analysis Top 10 Crypto Adoption Index, other than the United States, which sits at number five. The list is made up entirely of emerging market countries, the Philippines, Ukraine, India, Pakistan, Brazil, Thailand, Russia, and China. So if you're now feeling like financial conditions are restoring your appetite to invest and are looking to justify adding Bitcoin to your portfolio, don't try to map it against the standard risks and opportunities in a traditional Western financial market. Instead, look to many places in the world where the total, where the local financial system is deficient due to politics, insecurity, or a general failure of institutional infrastructure. In those places, Bitcoin is proving it has utility. And if it's useful there, it has to be valuable. And uh, this is a great piece, and I really couldn't agree with it more. And lastly, I just want to mention, uh, I did post a uh, 
Substack this week. Uh, the title is Ayn Rand, Freedom and Liberty in Bitcoin. Um, I was kind of fascinated with how much Bitcoiners like Ayn Rand and recommend reading Atlas Shrugged, which I'll admit I've started, but it's been slow going. It's a massive book with tiny print, but I do plan on finishing it this year. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to dive more into that and then talk a little bit more about freedom and liberty and sort of how Bitcoin can help ensure that. So uh, if you have time, check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes. And with that, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. My handle's at Nick Reichert. And I also uh, am on Damas now. And my I posted my public key on, on Twitter um, so you can get it from there. Uh, it's a new peer-to-peer uh, -peer messaging app that uh, a lot of the Bitcoiners are jumping into or are very interested in. So check it out. You can download it from the App Store. Um, it's called Damas. But it's the network is called Noster, so Noster Dallas. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Anyway, uh, that's it. Talk to you next week. Bye for now.